Cody Alexander, back with another episode of the Art of X show. We are going to be doing part two of the NFL trends that I did with my dear friend, Sean Saeed of Sumer Sports. You can follow him again at Saeed Schemes on Twitter. Uh, Just going over a brief recap of what we did last week. Remember, we're talking about trends offensively, defensively, the chess match that is constantly being the NFL, and then that trickle-down and trickle-up effect that we see in the college and then also the high school game. So I'm interested and excited to hear what else he has to say and some with some of the other topics that we have. So let's finish up our discussion. Here we go. We've seen hybrids on defense now for the past decade grow and grow and grow. Okay. People are now more inclined to use them on defense. I mean, I think Dallas was, I think, almost 75% nickel. And then I think the other, tw- like almost 20% dime. So they had like 5% where they were in base or some sort of goal line set. So talk to me a little bit about the hybridization within the offensive side, what we're seeing right now in the NFL and, and how that might trickle down. Yeah, I think that you know, I keep mentioning Shanahan, keep mentioning the 49ers, because I think that they are a good example to capture right. a lot of these things, right? Obviously, it's it's more than just, hey, we have a receiver who can play running back. We have a running back that can play a receiver. It's even if you draw it up, X is on a chalkboard. Okay, they're, you know, when they're in 21, if they're in two by one, it's two by one. It's it's sometimes hard to just do that because I think they can get to all the different run looks from all these different formations. And as you said, the great point is that you know, going from three by one way to three by one the other way, whether it's just one motion and then on the snap, your other guy's pulling through, you're moving so much, right? You are causing a defender from going from, you know, hey, I have the C gap, I have the B gap, I have the opposite A gap. Am I able to process that in full time? And the offense, especially at the NFL level, just needs such a small, small time. So yep. it's definitely the the ability versatility from from players, the that positional versatility. Hey, I am a George Kittle, obviously an extremely, extremely special player. And sometimes it's hard to use these one of one guys as the example, but you know, he can obviously run around. He can obviously put his hand to the dirt. He can pull across, uh, you know, if it's a sift block or something like that, and then using that positional versatility as formation flexibility. So I think that's something we're going to see a ton from the Falcons. I can't wait to just chart the Falcons this year uh, yeah, because like, well, like, what are their personnel going to create? Is it going to be 13? Is it going to be 23? Like, well, like, what is it going to be? And having guys like Pitts who like is yet yeah, we count him as a tight end, but he is such a special pass catcher, right? And then Bijan Robinson too. And it made me interesting, interested. I think Tej Seth uh, from Super mentioned this about he's obviously a Lions fan, so he's he's going to be in on whatever Jameer Gibbs is doing. But you know, can Gibbs get into that sort of McCaffrey esque role where every year I feel like a running back gets drafted, and you know the coaches all say no, this is just an offensive weapon, this is an offensive weapon, and a lot of times it feels like oh like. You know, Travis Etienne, well, no, he's going to just be a bell cow back. And I think that might be what's really good for him. Obviously, still using him in the pass game. But maybe now after seeing guys like McCaffrey and understanding, OK, we're getting these two high coverages, we're going to have to do a better job of being versatile. Maybe some of these running backs are just catching more passes. Like I'm excited for even like guys like Brees Hall to get back with the Jets. Hopefully he's healthy. You know, watching these guys just cook linebackers on the hashes is another way to find out okay, what do we get our best matchup? I think the best offensive coordinators understand, okay, this is the the link on the defense that we want to attack, but also how many snaps does it take for whatever? Maybe it's after, you know, 10 reps wide zone, this linebacker is just slower getting there, yeah. right? It's, a, it's, it's the human cost of playing the game, right? This person is going to get tired. They're going to get hit. And at that point, that's when we get to our next time. So offensive coordinators understanding we have these players who can play different positions. We can use that to have different formations, also motioning to those formations, 
at the snap, you know, having those movable gaps to shift those formations fully from one side to the other and just pinpoint exactly how and when those defenders are going to get either tired or they're just not as fast to get that edge. I I always go back and I was again, I was so blessed the three years that I got to work at Baylor and get to get to work under our Bryles uh, and then Phil Bennett, who obviously uh, so many people from around the country call him on how to defend the spread and what it's like to be in a defense coordinator in a temple offense. But uh, Art Bryles, we had a kid named Antoine Goodley at receiver that was about 225 pounds and he would get into five receiver packages so so true double zero personnel right we called it cougar so he would get in cougar personnel and he would put antoine goodley uh or um coleman we had coleman first round draft pick he, he would put him at running back and i just remember being in a meeting one time and he was like guys this is the future of the nfl like this is the future of football is that these guys and now I now I'm seeing like I go watch the 49ers and you got you got Debo Samuel in the backfield playing running back out of a out of a, a you know a personnel look and now they're in a light box right they're in like some sort of dime personnel because it's a it's why it's why you know why I call it why cougar or it's just you know it's a one personnel or whatever and so they got a tight end and then they've got you know four receivers well then they go with Debo Samuel in the backfield and now you can run wide zone out of it like you can run mid zone out of it. You can run all your stuff out of it from 11 personnel because you got that. You got receiver. You can go in and get in a quads look out of empty. Why quads, right? Which is just a, a nightmare to even think about. And then we're just going to bring back Debo Samuel and then we're going to run the ball. And we we were doing that at, at, at Baylor, just practicing it. We didn't do it very much, but but I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, that would be. I'm going to put in a specialty package for that, or like, hey. They're in a they're in an basically a five receiver package. Let's go with our dime personnel. Let's get our odd dime out there. And then they bring him back. And now it's a spread to run concept. And now we're a man short because we're just playing Tampa two or we're just playing coverage. And now we're screwed because we have these huge B gap bubbles and we don't we we don't have, you know, it's a three one box, right? And you're like, what? Yeah. So I just I always go back to that and think about some of the stuff that you know, he was doing and, and putting a tight end in the backfield when when everybody was trying to run 10 personnel air raid. Right. And now I'm getting the predictable cover three because that's what it was. Well, I kind of fast forward 10 years. We're going 12 personnel because we know we're going to get cover three. We're going to make you decide. Are you going to run base? Then we're going to find your weakest defender, your slowest defender. And we're going to put our hybrid player on him because we've got now we've got a tight end that's a pass catcher and we've got a tight end that's a that's a hybrid blocker. And we're going to find that matchup and then we're going to just nail it home until you make a decision. And then once a defense gets frustrated, most DCs are just going to say, just play base, right? Just play base. I have no answer for this. And so once you do that, now you create that predictability. I mean, you go look at what Buffalo did with the Kincaid draft pick. You know, you got Dalton Knox, who's kind of that hybrid. He can catch a pass, he, but he's also a blocker. Now you've got Kincaid, who can really go split split out. Um, you know, the Chiefs are another great example of, of, you know, Kelsey is kind of that hybrid player, just like Kittle. And so you can – but he's also one of the best – he's really one of the best receivers in the NFL, right? The Giants now have Waller. Okay, how are they going to use him? So I, I look at things like that, and I, I think about a decade ago of what it – what we were doing at Baylor and some of these concepts now, even on defense are starting to come up, trying to fit the box with six, right? How can we, how can we manipulate the run fits doing that? And, and kind of the extension of that is kind of these reduction or lag fronts that we're seeing a lot of times at the college level. So I do think the heavier sets, that is the natural, you know, that's the natural evolution of football. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're going to have to be able to get into it to cause problems for defense. And to me, I think it can be summed up. I think I know your answer to this question, but like if you're sitting watching a, an offense and they're in two by two, you know, they're spread all the time. I imagine that you're happier just drawing up your best three over two uh, to each side, as opposed to seeing an offense that, you know, they're getting into four man surfaces, they're getting double tight. Now we got to, you know, change our fits in some sort of way, or we need to be super sound and really get our guys tackling the run this week. I think that you'd much prefer just lining up against a team that's in two by two, like uh, a four open kind of spread set, right? It's harder to deal with these four man services, deal with these double tights, you know, these offenses that can, you know, your fullback, you can go one way, you can go the other way. There's so much more manipulation from that way. And Obviously, I, I keep saying it because it's important to understand, yes, passing is more efficient than than the run in so many different ways. But having that ability to force the team out of the two-by shell to get to your more open pass game is so important. So I'll, I guess, you know, got to ask the question again, like, would you rather just deal with an offense that's four open and drop your pass coverages? Or would you rather deal with a team that's getting into those double tight sets? Yeah, and I think it goes back to where we are with the game right now. I mean, the game right now is more of a, a you know, especially even at the high school level, it's it's seven on seven centric, it's quarterback centric, it's passing the ball, it's finding open space, it's getting in eleven personnel spread. You know, the NCAA formation of uh, you know two receivers on one side, one receiver on the other. We've got a tight end or a sniffer, uh, and then we've got a running back. And is he stacked? Is he slanted? And then all the different concepts off of that. You know, the physicality of the game has gone down, right? Uh, you know, you still have to tackle. You still have to be physical at the line of scrimmage. Th those are non-negotiables within football. Uh, but you do see what happens when you get in spread. We've seen it in soccer. We've seen it in hockey. We've seen it in in, in the NBA. In fact, I my uh, father-in-law, I'm lucky enough, my father-in-law has season tickets to the Stars game. So we're going. And every once in a while, I'll get a real hockey person that will sit next to us. And they'll talk about, man, you know, like uh, one, of, I can't remember who we were playing, but they had this little guy. And he was just skating all over the place. And the guy was like, you know what? 10 years ago, that kid probably couldn't even have played in the NHL because it was a big man's game. It's a physical game. We're hammering everybody. It's all aggression. We're packed in. You know, there's no space. And now everything's spread out that we create lanes. So the game is less physical at the point of attack. So to go to your point with the four-man surfaces, no, I don't want to see a four-man surface because now I have to, now I have to prepare my kids all week for that physicality, which they haven't had. And it's that, it's that kind of that, that, that dichotomy of, I want to be physical. So we've got to practice physical, right? But if I practice physical, now we are more worn down at this game. So because we introduce physicality into it, now we have to, now we're worn down. That's why I, uh, you know, I like with Shanahan and again, we go back to Shanahan talks about, uh, and I think Brandon Staley even talked about it. Uh, and these defensive coaches will talk to you about it is we have to be physical from day one. Like that has to be ingrained in us in day one. We have to find ways, you know, I think Kirby smart a couple of years ago talked about, you know, the, and I think Leach had done this forever the, the millennial Oklahoma, right. Of like, we're going to find a way in space to be physical where you're going to have to go one-on-one -on -one to a block. Now it's against a receiver or it's against out, it's a tight end, but in space, we're going to have to be physical. So yeah, I would much rather see a 10 personnel or a three by one look, Hey, give me the spread, right? Cause that's one-on-one, right? That's day one install stuff for us. And, and again, at the lower levels, I always would laugh like the day that we introduce 11 personnel 
inline tight end, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day because like, <laughs> it's like, it, I don't know what it is about high school kids, but you put it inline tight end and it's, as, it's like they've hidden themselves, right? It's like the guy doesn't <laughs> exist. It's like I put this camouflage on and you can't see the guy anymore. It's like, guys, there's literally a tight end right in front of you. How are you not seeing him? You know, so it, it and you know the tackle shift play with the Y hide. I mean, dude, it's like one of those like it works like every freaking time into high school level because it's like I don't I can't see a tight end. Uh, so to go to your point with tight ends creating four man surfaces as a defense, I don't want to see that because there's so many gaps and now do we overload to that side can i handle the one-on-one -on -one in the bag do i strong rotate do i weak rotate are they bringing somebody back are we getting slice action what is the play action what is the boot action what are the passing concepts out of that because to me that's where i'm always going to go with like what is the answer to it yeah they can get in there and mash okay we figure that out. We either do line movement or we blitz the point of attack. We figured that out. Now, what is the, what is the stuff on stuff? That is what always, that's what always concerns me. Yeah. I think it's also important that like this whole conversation, it's not just, okay, offenses need to pound the rock, right? There, there's such a different approach than saying, Hey, you have to have the offensive versatility, the ability to force the defense out of what they're comfortable with to really open up what you can do in the pass game. Right. So it's kind of like the new version of pound the rock where even by EPA, I think that this, last year was one of the best seasons for, for the run game really ever. And I think that's right. an important trend and, you know, maybe defenses are just happy to see that. But at the same time, I think that there is, yeah, like you mentioning that physicality that if, if a defense is, is starting on second and five, that is a problem, right? That gives the offense so much versatility. And I think it might be hard to look into, okay, well, how does like these, I would say just better run concepts, these more efficient run game, not whether it's not just efficient by itself, how much is that opening up the play action game, right? So if you can get into a deeper bag of your play action game, you know what? Yeah, it's a new version of kind of pound the rock, right? You don't have to be hard-headed and say, we need to establish the run, but you do need to establish the threat of the run, at least enough to get the defense out of just a core look that they're comfortable playing against you all entire game. Yeah, and you go back to the run game, you know, and I've said this before, like a five-yard run is a five-yard run, but a five-yard pass could be anything right uh but on top of that you you are correct in if we are going to play light box and you're just going to play sit and get you know that was one of the things i i would talk to you about at life school right is like we just didn't have the defensive line like we literally had four of them and three of them had to go play offensive line so if we're going to play sit and get we're going to get killed. Like by the time we get to out of halftime, we're lean in bodies. I call the ballet of the dancing bears. Well, it's going to turn into sumo wrestling. We're going to get thrown out the ring. Right. So it's like, we've got to be a movement base. I think that to me is where the evolution, the NFL, you know, at the, at the lower levels, people have kind of figured that out either with the lag front or the reduction fronts uh, that you see now in the two high shells that a lot of these guys are running, especially the cover seven guys uh, coming from the saving system. I think the NFL is going to catch up to that. There's going to be more exploratory on that kind of creating some of these movements. But again, you talk about that's the problem. That's kind of the dichotomy of movement is like you need movement to create tackles for loss but if you use movement there is a likelihood that you could get creased and at the nfl those margins are so small right they're so small that if you if you are movement based eventually you're going to get caught up but we and we found that out at baylor really i mean that was one of the biggest things we you know we get we went into that game at ucf back in 2013 you know, we just won the Big 12 championship. Um, Oklahoma State had had really done such a good job understanding our movement. 
uh, and then going into that UCF game, we're, we're beat up. We're already in, in trouble. They understood how we were movement-based. We were almost too much movement-heavy. So you can go one way or the other. If you're going to play sit and get, you better have two dudes that can sit and get and take a gap and a half, basically, and eliminate, you know, what, three to four gaps, depending on the on the run scheme, just inside. Or you've got to be movement-based, but you've got to be timely with it. You can't do it all the time, you know. And so I, I always think about that when we, when we talk about some of this stuff, um, is that you, you can't be – all in on one thing you have to nowadays be a multiple you have to be an odd spacing one down and then even spacing the next you have to be able to run a cover three you have to be able to run quarters you have to have a cover two change up you got to be able to move post snap uh whether that's in coverage or that's up front you've got to you know creepers and sims are sexy when you're drawing them up on a whiteboard but i mean even aranda will tell you and you know ron roberts who are the two godfathers of that stuff will tell you is like those are run based based movements right on third down you use them to beat protection and that's when you give these presentation sims right but on on an early down if i'm going to use a simulated pressure it's really to create numbers right i'm i'm gonna point of attack right i'm i'm you know like a like a scalpel i think aranda calls it like a scalpel i'm going to use a scalpel on your run fit and then i'm creating an overlap to where because we're moving one direction and overlapping the other so that we can create numbers at the point of attack or cut off the running back so that now he's going to my my free players so i think that 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 fluidity of scheme fluid front way of doing different things uh that's going to also be how do you teach all of this Right. And and I loved it in the play callers. Uh, again, we're going to go back to play callers with Jordan Roderick's podcast for the athletic is that the there were so many parts in that five part series where they talked about being a great teacher, being a great teacher, being a great teacher. And it just over and over and over again, because how do you get these complex systems taught? Right. You have to teach. And I think that's one of the biggest differences from the NFL uh, now, and you will hear this in the NFL, there are guys, you know, don't don't let the shield fool you. There are guys that couldn't, co- you know, they can't teach at all. Right. Uh, but I do think you maximize your value if you're a great teacher. And I think that's going to be who I think as we go forward, the better you can teach because the less time you're spending with your players at all levels. Now, you have to be an elite teacher. And that that, that to me is something that really sticks with me. Yeah, I think, you know, being a great teacher, as much as we talk about you know, scheme and this and that, it so comes down to, hey, can I get this specific player? Can I maximize them, right? Can I get them to the technique that they have to? But also, do I understand, okay, this technique is just not working, right? You know, wide zone, it's it's such a specific, you know, hey, we have we want to do, you know, with our first step this way, when we want to get our hat, you know, in this way, we can get our back arm in, th- in this other way, right? But I think over time, they understand, look, when you have a guy like Trent Williams, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a little different, and that's okay. So I think the, the coaches that understand, we need to be a little bit flexible with that. And I think I love that you mentioned, you know, those different creepers and things on rundowns. I think the Titans were a fun one to watch on defense. Certainly a team that understood, okay, we're going to play with that in different ways. And then obviously, you know, thinking about the different ways the defense is their weak safety, right? That's usually the rotation player. And a lot of times at the college level, that's a guy who's in that nickel spot, right? You know, so guys like Brian Branch, guys like Jalen Petrie, where the translation is, okay, in the at the college level where the nickel is the guy who they're often going to be in conflict, they're going to have to, you know, get, especially on a swing or something, we're going to want them to step up and then we're going to want them to play pass coverage too. That translates, I think, a little better to that weak safety role. So it's going to be, you know, interesting to just keep on seeing the evolution of the NFL requires a different kind of body type. And that may come from a different position at the college level. 
Yeah. And so let's go talk, let's talk, let's transition to one of the biggest trends. We've kind of talked about it a few times uh, throughout this is just the quarterback run game, right? Uh, especially in a single high dominant ecosystem as the NFL, the math is in, in the favor of the offense because your quarterback player is now in the middle of the field. So we're seeing more athletic quarterbacks. Uh, you even talked about it almost now. And nowadays a prerequisite for a quarterback is someone that can move. Even if you are a stand and deliver quarterback, you have to be able to escape the pocket. I think Mahomes is a great example of that. No one's sitting here saying Mahomes is an elite runner, uh, but he's, he's slippery. Right. He creates he creates things. Um, I think even like uh, a guy like Caleb Williams at, at U, uh, USC, who everybody's kind of infatuated with Drake May, but the, the dudes can run. They can get out if they need to. So I think that that's these more athletic quarterbacks are putting more pressure. Defenses are going to have to adjust. And then also linebackers. Right. Uh, if you can't play with a 260 pound middle linebacker anymore, you can't do it. The old Ravens defense. I always think about the old Ravens and the old Alabama defenses from like the, the two thousands of where it's just like behemoth, massive human beings. Uh, yeah, they're physical freaks. Don't get me wrong, but they basically took an edge and put them at Mike linebacker. You can't do that anymore. Right. So talk to me a little bit about the quarterback run game. What are you seeing in the NFL? Uh, and really, I think it's a trickle up. What are you seeing in the NFL and some trends trends there? Yeah, I think there's a stark difference between, okay, we're going to build the plane out of our quarterback being able to run versus, okay, you know, we can use it, right. It's, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of carries on a, on a quarterback is obviously tough. You want that guy getting into the drop back pass game. And I agree this one, it's definitely a trickle up where the, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley and then the different guys, they'll use concepts where it looks like zone read, but really, Hey, look, we're, you know, it's a flash fake and the running back is just going to block this guy who you think is the read guy. So especially, you know, if those defensive ends are in any sort of surf technique, they're just going to get hammered by a guy coming straight at him where they think, okay, we can play and get out to the quarterback uh, around the outside, but hey, you have a blocker coming in. So the different kind of concepts were to the, I think at a quick look, it's like, oh, it, I think that quarterback might be reading, but hey, they're really just setting up a sort of power run game. The Bears, obviously, you know, Justin Fields had an incredible year on the ground. I think, of course, a lot of that comes from scrambling, but they did design a lot of runs, right? Where it's, you know, like four-man services and having tight ends really using tight ends on both sides, getting a sixth offensive lineman in there, getting heavier in that way to force these bigger bodies on defense to really chase our extremely, extremely fast quarterback. And, you know, there's such a big difference between, you know, what looks like four, seven from a quarterback. And then a guy that's a four, 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 five guy where that speed around the edge, but also just the ability once they clear that first level, how fast can we get to that pylon? You know, I mean, Justin Fields will be erasing angles from safeties in different ways. So a concept that I'd like to see, you know, I think uh, I forgot exactly what it's called, but like not, it's not read pop read pops more from that, uh, defensive side, but really, hey, we're looking like we're running zone read and now our running back's just popping out. Or, you know, it, it looks like something that you think you're used to, but hey, we're just really using it as another way to get as many heavy bodies on our side against your lighter bodies and get our quarterback into the open way. And I do think that now offensive coordinators are much more open to using it. I think I, I've thought about the Giants a bunch recently, obviously, as you talked about Darren Waller, but like if you're using Daniel Jones in those different ways, who he is an absolutely an athletic, athletic quarterback, but I think that you can have not just a package, but really, you know, one of your counter punches, you know, in your bag is using the quarterback around the edge in some sort of way or tight ends getting quick to the flat off of that. What looks like zone read. So what looks like, look, I mean, I know we've seen these concepts at college like almost 10 years ago, but to see them come up to the NFL now is, is exciting. And it takes advantage of the skill set a little bit more than I think was done previously. 
Yeah, the read slip stuff, I call it read slip. So it's like zone read. It, typically, you would have seen it as zone slice or a, an arc read, something, whatever you call it. But we're instead of uh, wrapping around and getting the outside linebacker and we're reading the DN, now I'm just kind of just going flat and I go flat to the line or I'm going to step down like it's zone load and then I'm going to rock back out, uh, you know, getting those guys to commit and then flashing out and then that quarterback making that RP re- RPO read. And then you get the two, the two, uh, the two receivers blocking to get that. Oh, they're, they're running the ball. Here we go. The safety start hammering down. And then it's like, Oh, I'm going to toss it down. Now it's a one-on-one. So now if your safety overcommits to the box or you're a strong rotation cover three or whatever you are, now you're screwed because that guy's now near the box and now we've got a screen and I've got an athletic tight end who is now running down the field. I think I think that's a great example of it. Um, and I think the quarterback run game at the NFL level, you know, everybody's going to point to everybody's going to point to like R, uh, like an RG three is kind of be be cautious about how much you use your quarterback. Um, I think Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, eventually you're going to have to pass the ball. Right. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, we obviously know can pass the ball. Lamar Jackson, hopefully this year kind of comes out and and, and does well because I like I like Lamar Jackson. I think, it, you know, you want to have an electrifying quarterback like that who can run as just as great as he can, but also can throw the ball down the field. I think people forget his college scheme was an actually a pro style offense. So I, we know he can do it. Just need to see it. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, all of those run games are great, but then you kind of look at it and it's like outside of the red zone, we want to really limit it and we want to make it to where we know we're going to get a big run. You know, we don't, we want to be careful in the way that we do that. Um, I think in two, and again, in a single high dominant world, you're forcing defenses uh, to really be unbelievably sound, which is going to create when, when you do that. And when you bring everybody in uh, quarterback players in depth, now we create space to blow off the top. Like you said, the, on the outside uh, that cheat safety, you know, a lot of colleges are doing now, especially on early downs and single high to kind of buy back that guy on, on quarterback run game. What does that open up? That opens up the vertical and, in kind of that, those, what do they call them? Inside nines, you, you know, those kind of skinny posts inside away from that guy, bringing them down. Uh, so to me, I think, the quarterback run game in the NFL, it's really changed everything. And I think it goes back to, we talked about it, uh, the the scrambles. You know, scrambles are something that you don't really think about, uh, but that's such a huge part of the game with the, even at the high school and college level and now in the NFL that we're seeing it more and more. Yeah, I'd like to see different things where it's not just odd mirror, but some sort of manipulation from the front right. on offense, whether it's, you know, hey, three down with our linebacker, we have a single mug and we're crashing our defensive ends and letting our linebacker play off that. But yeah, I think in the NFL, it's going to be really exciting this year, like Shane Steichen with Anthony Richardson. I'm sure Richardson will get in there. That's has to get in there some point during his rookie season, maybe not week one, but obviously Monken with Lamar Jackson. I think exciting, exciting times for guys who I think can be really good passers with coaches that are going to be more than happy to, to, to run them. So we got a really, really exciting year NFL football ahead. Yeah, I agree. And so to let's, let's wrap up with our last topic and, and it would be, uh, it would be, foolish of us to to talk about trends in the NFL without talking about this, but let's talk about non-traditional Tampas or NTTs and how teams now are giving you the opposite look uh, and really kind of, and if you look at, I and I was looking at uh, PFF data the other day about, it, it's not as prevalent as you think. It's not like, oh, teams are like 50%, you know, they're showing you, that. what they're doing is they're doing it enough to make you doubt what exactly 
the defense is doing is yes, like for instance, the Cowboys, yes, we are single high dominant, but we're going to give you enough different looks to that quarterback is going to have doubt. Talk to me about some of the ways that you've heard offensive offensive coaches talk about these NTTs and how they how they may try and combat them. Yeah, I think that on the offensive side, right? You mo- we talked about it earlier. You motioned running back out there. You're usually getting a tell, right? If your linebacker's following, we feel pretty comfortable that we're getting man coverage. But I think 49ers use this on defense where you have Fred Warner follow that guy and they'll just play cover two behind it. So I think that it's it's such a problem in so many different ways because what you think you're getting from the defense isn't what it actually is, right? And it's different than just disguise, but understanding, well, this is a tell that we know we're going to get you know, an X certain level of coverage menu from the defense, but we're not getting that same ability anymore because of, you know, wraps up or wraps to what we were talking about earlier, right? These hybrid people who obviously Fred Warner's one of one, but if you have a linebacker that's comfortable out there or your usual tells with motion are actually leading these, these too high, uh, really just, I mean, it's just cover two in a lot of ways, but it's, it's frustrating. I think watching it where you think you have a beat on it and now the defense has disguised it and where on the offensive side, you know, it's the illusion of complexity where we want all these things. Uh, we want it to look the same, but we want it to have different results. Really. I think the defense is opposite where we want everything to kind of look like just the opposite of it, where it's the illusion of simplicity, right? Where you think, okay, this is exactly what we're going to get. And now we're getting out of that in different ways. So whether it's, you know, your nickel and another safety coming down and they're popping out real quick and finding different ways for those corners to trap the flat. It takes away a lot of the option routes where, especially when we have an inside guy breaking out right into a cornerback's lap. Right. I think defenses, obviously Kansas city does it where they do a good job where we're going to send pressure one way and get into a non-traditional look and force you to pass right into where we're going. So when the defense, once they start dictating to the offense, you know, we're, we're just in for a world of hurt on the offensive side. Yeah. And I really think it's really, so I heard about this really, it became a central topic probably during, I would, I would say right before COVID is that that, that year before COVID. So the 2019 season, I started hearing people talk about, you know, we're getting a little too static. We got to start finding ways to, if we're going to be a single high dominant scheme, we got to find ways to run some cover two stuff. If we're, you know, quarters, we need, or cover two base, we need to find ways to, to rotate into cover three. I think it's easier for teams to go too high and rotate to cover three than it is the other way. Cause there are so many moving parts. I, I like drawing them up. I think it's fun to draw them up. Uh, and then, and because it looks so wild because there's so many people going in different directions, but if you understand what is do what de- defenses are doing, these are not matchup in terms of these aren't man match coverages, right? These aren't even uh, really kind of heavy match coverages. These are really more or less like I'm dropping to a spot and then I'm zoned. So they're they're really kind of in that weird gray area of zone match versus spot drop. Like I'm getting to a spot, then I'm matching a player. You know, obviously we don't want to cover grass, but I'm dropping with vision because I'm going from somewhere. And 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 to me, it's like how you would teach cover three. You know, in cover three, you basically put your four X's down on a whiteboard your two seam players, your two hook players, right? And whether, you know, three by one, obviously push everything over. But what you're doing in this at the same time is you've got your four focal points, right? You you know that you got your two flat defenders. You know, you got your two deep, deep defenders. So how, how, and then underneath, right? You've got, you've got your other defenders. So what we want is how can I get from a single high to a two high and where are these X's going? And so you're doing the same thing 
you're just kind of reverse engineering it to do to do a cover two or maybe you're invert to the boundary you know i thought uh washington did a great job they actually were in, to invert into the the boundary most people do it do roll to the field well it allowed them really to almost play it like a single high coverage like a one double coverage but because they were because they were rotating into the boundary and 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 to the field you don't have that soft corner so you don't you, you can that you don't have these two soft players that are really rotating because you're going into the boundary. Everybody can kind of slow play. Right. And so to me, I think finding ways to answer the problem, whether we're going to roll or whether we're taking that middle safety and dropping him into the middle of the field. You know, I know uh, Ron Roberts talked about, I would rather have the pole player be the free safety. Um, you know, I would rather him an athlete be that pole player than, than a linebacker, which again helps you in the run game. If you're going to do these on 50, 50 downs. So to me, I think uh, what you see these nickel pop outs uh, even go into Illinois did such a great job this year of being cover one, right. That's all they were. They was literally, it was like a 46 bear cover one. That's all they ran. Right. And then what they would do is they would switch it up and run these trap trap two coverages where they would drop the middle safety into the pole. They pop out their overhangs and those corners would squat in the flat. And yeah, they were soft in the middle, but how they were getting it. It's, it's a blitz, right? So that quarterback's not going to throw it into the middle of the field. It's going to go outside. It's going to be at some kind of outlet. So I think, I think this is where, the more I think in this offseason more, we're going to see even crazier stuff. I, I know the Chiefs, you mentioned the Chiefs. Chiefs are a fantastic example of they press their corners a lot, but they play a lot of cover two. They do. I mean, it. you know, he's like a mad, what is Magnolia? He's like a mad scientist over there with their little square. Uh, um, I call them squirm coverages because everybody looks like they're squirming. When you draw it up, it's, it's these, all these little squealy lines and everybody's squirming around. So uh, to me, I think that's, if we didn't talk, like I said, if we didn't talk about this trend, we would be it would be doing a disservice. I think I think non-traditional Tampa's at the college level and at the NFL level are going to be a, a big thing still moving forward. Yeah, I think you see guys like Mahomes and Burrow face so much too high coverage. And even at a certain point, once they get comfortable, hey, we're going to have to you know check that ball down a lot. You know, we're going to have to take our time getting down the field as they get so comfortable with that and diagnosing it. There's got to be something on the defensive end, whether, you know, Spagnola steals that safety from literally across the field. I love that you call it squirm coverages, the way those guys are running everywhere on the offensive end. We want to be able to get into different looks from our personnel groups. The defensive end has to be able to take advantage of hybrids in the same way, right? If you're more comfortable with your free safety dropping down, especially against like, I don't think about like dagger concepts where, you know, your safety can work his eyes and get to that spot as opposed to just that pole runner as a middle linebacker turning his back and trying to take that seam up the field and opening up that window. The defense has to be able to have. And I think we talk about guys like Lou Anarumo from the Bengals. Like those yeah. are the defensive coordinators, obviously, uh, with the, the Mike McDonald with the Ravens. And then uh, these different guys that like Staley to me, too, where their game plan specific things are at such a high level. And that is what is making them great. Right. Where it's not just, hey, I'm from this defensive tree. This is what we do. We're going to run one, two, three coverages. No, you have to be able to match up. You have to be able to the game plan. We're going to call this specific you know, cover two creeper against the bills, right? Where I think the Bengals, you know, he deserves his flowers in what he does on a game plan basis. And that those things are going to be, I think maybe a little harder to track because maybe week to week, it's going to look so different. But again, in those top matchups that, you know, the most eyeballs are going to be on those. That's where we're going to see, I think a lot of the, the fun stuff, including these non-traditional Tampas. Yeah. And I mean, I even wrote about the Bengals creepers again, the uh, Tampa two creepers against the the bills. It was, it, it was, it was a huge part of the game plan. I mean, you even go to bill Belichick, bill Belichick's running inverted ta to Tampa. 
I mean, it, one of the worst conversations you can run, but he's running it because he's funneling everything inside because he knows that we're not these these. And he did it specifically uh, again, again, against like the Dolphins, who everything is packed into the middle of the field because they know, again, they can't throw it outside. I thought Staley did a great job of transitioning and at halftime to really playing two man with almost like a cut coverage, man coverage to and just forcing everybody outside, knowing that two is not going to throw it outside to the numbers. Uh, so I think that we're, we're seeing a lot more of this exploratory i think what we're going to see now is as people are getting more used to being in that too high shell of how can we uh mitigate our safety always being part of like the a gap right like we see this in the penny front uh sometimes you get these wild looks and three and excuse me, in three by one where it's like, there's nobody in the box, right? But you know that safety is going to have to come down. Uh, so how can we get into some of these coverage rotations without necessarily putting that safety in the A-gap? I think that's going to be one of the, the cool things this year uh, to, to really see and how that evolution is. And as you said, you talked about anytime. Uh, and in fact, I was listening to uh, John Wolford, was uh, who's been quarterback for the Rams and now he's with I think the Buccaneers. He was talking on a uh, the coach and coordinator podcast uh, with Doug Maddox about uh, once you introduce something into the ecosystem and it becomes kind of a standard practice, your quarterbacks are seeing it more and more. It becomes more defensible, right? So you you know once everybody's doing it, that's the time to pivot. And I think you, in anything, if everybody's doing it, it's time to pivot because it's already you've, it's already passed, right? Uh, and we saw as Shanahan talked about it in the Play Colors podcast of that I, they aren't teaching it the correct way. They're not there, but they're because they're stealing it from our film and they're they're you know they're reverse engineering it, but they're getting that play ran in practice, and so the the defenses are now getting introduced to that they're dropping to certain areas now i've got to create something else different and so to me that's part of that's the kind of the un that's the part not talked about is that as things become popular you know we're seeing this at the college level you know as the saving system becomes more and more popular and it proliferates through college system and we see it more and more often, you know, cover seven stuff, the rip list stuff, the match three stuff. As it gets introduced into these ecosystems and it becomes stabilized, that's when you start getting feasted on, right? Because now everybody's doing it. So if everybody's doing it, I've got to pivot and I got to be different. I think that's why when you look at some of these programs that are doing different things, everybody is spread, but hey, we are a power run game, right? Again, I, I went back to it with four-man services. Having to prepare for that is not fun. Right. And that's something unique. You know, the Shanahan offense is so unique. It really is. It, it's unique. Uh, the Ravens with with Lamar Jackson. And I know it got stale and, and the passing game was so terrible. So people just load the box and, and play man coverage and be like, you can't beat us. But I think that you get I think you get into these situations where you've got to be able to look forward and change. Yeah, that's why I'm really excited to see what coaches we think at the end of the season. Oh, these guys were ahead of the curve. Obviously, you know, having Fangio back in the NFL, I think that's something that we're both so excited about. But, you know, what are they going to do that's a little different, right? Where it seems like some of those guys that have come off the Fangio tree, maybe they haven't had as much success in the league for whatever reason. I do think partially because, yeah, a lot of these offensive guys are seeing that constantly. And, you know, not everyone has those same guys like Rokon Smith and Eddie Jackson with those Bears years with Fangio. So I'm excited to see who is going to be ahead of the curve. What's that going to look like, whether it's at the end of the season, Shanahan getting, you know, a lot of these manipulative looks against even against even fronts. He was happy to do it where instead of using a tight end all the time, having a guy motion in where it looks like that and just figuring out, well, what's what's going to be from Fangio? What's the tree going to come up with this year? And obviously 
guys like Sean Desai, you know, are they going to be able to have enough and be comfortable upfront enough to get really manipulative on that back end? Yeah. And I think I, just to talk at the college level, I'm always interested when guys leave the saving system and how, what are they going to take away and they're going to do. So like, I'm really interested in Ole Miss, what Golding is going to do now that he's left, you know, landing in year two, what is that going to look? They got really sim pressure heavy at the end. It was, you know, they had, they had some issues. Obviously they had some coverage defenders, you know, Christian Gonzalez being one of them, but like, what is the iteration going to be this year? Um, you know, Georgia, I feel like changes like year to year, like you can just see an evolution just depending on what they, what their scheme is, you know, how far back is Saban going to roll the clock back? What are we going to get old, like 10 years ago, Saban with Kevin Steele, or does he have something new up to Steve? I think Austin Armstrong of Florida is another great example um, of, of another defensive guy who left, the smart system was able to do his own thing at Southern Miss. They had one of the best defensive defenses in the G5, had created a ton of tackles for loss. Now he's getting his shot at Florida to do some things with, from a four down to high shell. Uh, so I'm interested uh, as, at the college level. Those are some of the areas that I'm always interested in because you have this system that everybody's trying to duplicate right, and learn from. And so once again, like you said, with the Fangio system in the NFL, once it becomes kind of the norm, and, and localized now how does how do people react and then how do those kind of offshoots react as well so i just want to say thank you again sean for being a part of this um and, and again you're, you're such a dear friend and go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you hey cody you really appreciate it I've re just an awesome conversation it's always good to get you know what we talk about over the phone on a recording instead of uh when i know we're, we're driving a lot of different places these days but yeah just follow me it's at side schemes s-y-e-d schemes Fall Sumer Sports is just summer with with one less M. Uh, you know, maybe writing a lot of stuff this year, cutting up some all twenty two, gonna do some cover one work over the next few weeks, see some some fun stuff. So Cody, I'm I was really excited about it and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, make sure to go in and, and you guys at, at Sumer have your own kind of like uh, you want to call it a blog or whatever. You guys have have some things that are coming out, which is really, really good. Um, so make sure to go ahead and follow that website as well, kind of bookmark it and, and check in on him. So, again, Sean's a great follow. He's a really smart guy. He knows ball. And, again, he's doing some big things with, with Sumer. And I'm proud of you, and I'm, I'm excited for you. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, you were just a lawyer and following a little <laughs> me around. And now and now you're uh. communications for uh, – uh, what I think is an analytics, uh, an analytics group that, that's really going to put some pressure on on some of these other on, on some of these other programs to really grow. I, I feel like your future is really bright. And, and again, thank you for thank you for joining me on the Art of X show. Appreciate that, Cody. I appreciate it, man.